Well, I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time believing it's May. I don't know. Where did May come from? I hope that you have had the opportunity to um, admire what's happened in your yard or in your garden since that terrible freeze that we had uh, just a few months ago. There's green in my yard. (laughs) There's green in my yard, even on plants that I had counted as dead. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the task of our spiritual gardening today, just to stand back, to step back, and take a look and admire and marvel and appreciate the work of God. Our scripture passage is from the first letter of John, chapter 5, the first six verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Amen. About five years ago, Some visitors appeared on my doorstep, a mother and her two teenage daughters. The mother was my dearest friend in high school. We reconnect periodically over the years, but we live far apart, and we each stay occupied with worthy causes, so we rarely have time to catch up. Her daughters are twins. And five years ago, I didn't know them. The three of them were coming to spend the 4th of July holiday at my home. Now, here's what I can tell you is absolutely true about my memory of that day. Those 15-year-old girls, those twins, they didn't have to do a thing. They didn't have to step over the threshold of my house. They didn't have to open their mouths with courteous words or smile at me before I loved them. I loved them. I just did. Just putting my eyes on them. I loved them automatically. How could I help it? Each in their own unique way reflects their mother, who was one of my favorite people (laughs) at their age. Our scripture passage begins with the thought, everyone who loves the parent loves the child. When I bring to mind the people who loved me when I was a child, who sent me goodness and blessing, I see the pattern. (laughs) Most of the people who loved me loved my parents first. (laughs) This week I was pushed to consider my spiritual benefactors And spiritual benefactors are simply defined as those who sent me the wish of goodness, the wish of love, the wish of well-being when I was a child, when I was growing up. 
So it could be an aunt or an uncle or a piano teacher or a teacher or family friends, adults from my childhood who cared for me in small and in large ways. You know, what I've come to realize this week is that these are important people, spiritually speaking. They're foundational people for me. They help to cast the clearest, truest vision of reality for me. That God is good. That life can be very good. It is life-giving today to remember these well-wishers from my childhood because it, um, it corrects my wandering from the good path for very long. I'm tempted to wander into the shortcomings of this world. <laughs> and it also helps me to catch spiritual benefactors in real time today. The goodness of God, the goodness of the world is a very fine spot to call home base. It truly is. What is absolutely true about my childhood spiritual benefactors is that most loved my parents first. My dad's law partner who brought me donuts when I was probably three or four. <laughs> my grandparents, my piano teacher, my mom's dear friends, they all count. And I am a recipient of blessing because they had that connection, that friendship with my parents first. Everyone who loves the parent loves the child. It's important to John, the beloved disciple, the gospel writer, that we see the parent-child connection between God and Jesus. All who love the Father love the Son. And it's not that we are to sit in judgment of those that we think don't love the Son, but it is that we, get a, we see the clear reflection of the Father on the Son. We see the clear reflection of the divine on Jesus, and that triggers our adoration. Jesus calls God Father, and he invites his disciples into this close parent-child relationship with God. And this then becomes important to the community that gathers around John's gospel, that as followers of the way of Jesus the Christ, we see the parent-child connection between God and every set of eyes that we look into. How do we know that we love the children of God? First John asks this question, and first John answers this question as well, by doing love, by acting out love every chance we get. Theologian Howard Thurman, he lived in the, in the 20th century. He was born in 1899, and he would say that his primary theology teacher had been his grandmother, a woman named Nancy Ambrose. She was born into slavery, and so today we could say, or I bet Howard Thurman would say that his grandmother was a spiritual benefactor. When Thurman was a boy, Nancy Ambrose owned land, and she had a neighbor, 
uh, a white woman who lived next door who didn't much like the fact that a black woman owned land. And so the neighbor decided that she would take out the trash of her chicken coop, the manure from her chicken coop, and dump it on Ambrose's property to make a mess on her property, to destroy it. The tomatoes, the greens, everything that she was growing. And she would do this at night. She'd dump the manure over the fence at night. And so every morning, Mrs. Ambrose would get up, and she would take that manure, and she'd mix it into the soil. Every night, the neighbor would take out the trash on her yard. And every morning, Thurman's grandmother was up, turning it over into fertilizer, mixing it into the soil. Well, the woman, the neighbor, eventually fell ill, and it so happened that she wasn't only mean to black people, she was nasty to everybody. So, no one came to see her. She was sick, in bed, and alone. But Thurman's grandmother went to see her with flowers, and she responded, those are the most beautiful flowers I've ever seen. Where did you get them? Mrs. Ambrose replied, from you. (laughs) You helped me. All that time that you were dumping manure into my yard, I decided to plant roses. When Thurman told this story, when he preached this story, he said, some allow, allow manure simply to fall on them. Some of us do. We think this is terrible, and it stinks, and it's mean, and it ruins everything. But others, others turn it over into the soil, and they make something new. Those who turn over the soil and make something new are carrying out God's commands. They are keeping the very commands of God. And this is not the burdened way, the troubled way. The troubled way is the this ruins everything path. How could this chicken manure happen to me? (laughs) That's the troubled way. That's the back-breaking, burdensome way. But keeping God's commands... Keeping God's commands is loving your neighbor as yourself. It's loving your enemy and blessing the one who persecutes you. Turn over the soil. Plant the roses. Trust the garden. Share the blooms. Biblical scholar Pete Enns teaches that to have faith or to believe in Jesus is to trust the faithfulness of God. To trust the faithfulness of God. You see, there's this one Greek word that gets translated into the English and the New Testament repeatedly. To believe in Jesus or to have faith in Jesus. It happens twice in our passage in the six verses for this morning. Once in the first verse, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. And then again in the fifth verse, One who believes Jesus is the Son of God. That Greek word is in both of those phrases. The problem is the way that we've taught it. The way that we've taught believing in Jesus. You've probably heard that to believe in the Son of God means to get this idea in your head. 
a right idea. Get your thoughts straight. And then you're fine if you get your thoughts straight. If you get the right, correct idea in your head, you're fine. Then you go to heaven. But the best meaning, the best practice of believing in Jesus is to trust. It is to trust the faithfulness of God. It is to entrust yourself to God's ways. Believing in Jesus is an all-in attitude. It is learning to let go because not everything goes well. It doesn't, but we trust. And we trust the story of the resurrection of the Christ. Anglican priest Tish Harrison Warren has a relatively new book out called Prayer in the Night. In it, she says that faith is a lifelong craft. I have to believe that. I think it's true. The art of trusting is a lifelong process. She tells this story. um, It's a sermon illustration. I can't help but reuse it. There are these three people being chased by a bear, and they're being run off a cliff onto a lake of ice, and they don't want to jump off the cliff, but they have to jump off the cliff, right, because it's a bear chasing them. So the first guy goes, he's running, 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 he jumps off, he gets to the edge of the cliff, and he jumps off tentatively, but you know what? The ice holds, and he escapes. The second guy sees the first guy, and so he jumps with more confidence, and he scatters across the ice. The third one gets to the end of the cliff, and she hurls herself down on the ice, and the ice still holds, and she escapes. And so then here's the question, which of those three is the most saved? Yeah, there is no most. They are all saved. They all escape. What saved them was not what they thought. What saved them was not what they felt. What saved them was the ice. What saved them was outside of them. It was beyond them. That the ice is good. That the ice was strong. That the ice is safe. Tish Harrison Warren says that most of us rely on the faith of the saints that go before us to teach us and to assure us that the ice is safe. We borrow that trust from others, from the people who go ahead of us. And she says that in her own church, in her own congregation, there was a 92-year-old woman who was a pastor, and when she was 90 years old, she preached her last sermon, and in her final sermon, she said to the church, I can only say that the life that is in Jesus is the most beautiful life I can imagine, And he has always been faithful to me. I can only say that the life in Jesus is the most beautiful life I can imagine. And he has always been faithful to me. And she said that the response of the people who knew her, who knew that things weren't always easy for her in her 90 years, was, I want that. I want what she has. I want that faith. I want that trust. I want to live finding that truth. You know, the best news of all for any of us, for all of us, is the faith, is the trust of Jesus in the Gospels. 
Jesus shows us the path, and he tells us that the ice is indeed safe. Some biblical scholars think that this first letter of John was written in response to a heresy of the first century, a Gnostic heresy of the first century. And this week I came across the actual name of the Gnostic heretic, uh, an arch heretic is how it was, he was classified, and his name was Serenthus. Never seen Serenthus's name before. This document said that it was Serenthus who taught that Jesus became divine at his baptism, and then the divinity left him before he died on the cross. So Jesus was not divine before he was baptized, and Jesus was not divine when he died. That's the heresy. Whether this guy Serenthus is to blame or not, I don't know. Who knows? But I am thankful for a faith, for a church that said no to that limited theology, to that limitation of God, that Jesus was divine the whole time <laughs> in birth and in death. You know, I have to admit to a Serinthian mistake in planning this worship service this morning because I showed you a video at the very beginning of worship that was of a woman with a newborn child. And you know what I did? I clipped the birth out of the video because I thought it was a little too, I don't know, uncomfortable. That's a Serinthian mistake. <laughs> the church said, no, God is in everything. God is in birth and God is in death. We trust that the goodness can be found in all of life, even in what seems to be bad, even in the things that stir up fear in us, like birth or death. The Christ was born, and the Christ died. The Christ went through water and blood. He came by the water and the blood. So do we. And we trust the goodness. Pray with me. Good and faithful God, we trust you and we seek to trust you more. We are thankful this day for all the saints that have gone before us, especially for those who have loved and nurtured us and taught us that life is good, that you are good. We thank you for those who are so keenly aware of your beauty and goodness and for those who call out goodness in each of us. We entrust, Lord, all that is dear to us to your good care. And we marvel this day at the creative and redemptive work you've already done. We trust there is more to come. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. <laughs>